Superkicks.com offers cool streetwear and apparel at great prices. Shipping worldwide, thanks to the guys at Superkicks, you can get 10% off your order by using the code SWN at the checkout. That's Superkicks.com, pro wrestling apparel. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWM Podcast. I am your host, as always, Billy. I am joined this week by the man with no moniker, Ken Caden. Welcome to the show. Welcome, uh, Dean. Thank you very much for having me on the uh, on the show today. It's uh, it's been it's been good to actually speak to somebody that's not um, a work colleague. To be honest with you, um, you know, it's, it's it's actually good to have some sort of conversation that's that's actually about the stuff that I quite enjoyed doing up until. Um, until March last year. Yeah, I'm a bit of the same boat. Uh, this is kind of my only outside access to humans yeah. at the moment because I've been yeah. working from home since March uh, last year. So it's the only time I actually see anyone that's not my mum, my, my <laughs> folks, my wife or her mum. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Only time I get to see other people. Um, right. So first question, and uh, we'll just spin off as always. How did you get into pro wrestling? Um. It's a, it's a funny one. This is probably a pretty controversial answer because, you know, m- most guys in wrestling, you, you, you'll have probably heard it countless times already. I've, I've, I've listened to a few of the episodes and, uh, and you, you kind of get the similar kind of answer all the time where it's like, you know, I watched wrestling when I was really young, blah, blah, blah. I've loved wrestling my whole life. I've, I've, I've had a few disagreements in the, in the locker room about how I got into wrestling. I've, I've never really been a lifelong wrestling fan. Um, I watched a little bit when I was young. Um... I remember watching um, a lot of WWF back on the, uh, I actually can't remember what, what channel it was on back in the day. I think it was terrestrial TV. I want to say channel four, but I don't know if that was a bit later on. Um, but I certainly remember having the 1992 Royal Rumble on VHS, um, which I watched quite a lot when I was young. Um, so a big fan at the time of like Ric Flair and stuff. Um, but I, uh, I, I, stopped watching for a long long time around about the time end of the uh, sort of Bret Hart period and um, as we're coming into the Attitude Era I completely abandoned any any semblance uh, semblance of uh, of liking wrestling up until um, actually not that long before I started training um, my my girlfriend got me back into it because she was a fan um, I remember going around to hers and, and we'd watched a couple of pay-per-views or whatever. And I was like, ah, this is a bit rubbish. Um, and then she kind of introduced me to like ring of honor and stuff. Um, and then yeah, got into, got into ring of honor through the sort of technical kind of side of wrestling. Still not a huge, huge fan of like the sort of American style, um, like main event kind of wrestling. But, um, but yeah, as anyone who's probably watched any of my matches or spoken to me about wrestling, like I've always been more into the technical side and the sort of athletic side of it. So um, yeah, got into it through sort of Ring of Honor, maybe about how long ago would that have been? Maybe 20... 2012, maybe. So yeah, not actually that long. I've been properly watching wrestling again. Um, i trying to remember the first pay-per-view I watched. I think it might have been Money in the Bank. I don't think it was the one Dolph one. 
I think it so might the one with, have been with Punk leaving at the end, or I think it might have been um, 2011. Actually, was Dolph 2012? Uh, oh no! Now you're asking. Hang on. So who won the money? Obviously, I can't remember. But um, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. It's it's only really been the last sort of eight years that I've been properly watching wrestling again. Um, and uh, and yeah. So I, I don't really have the same sort of journey as a lot of the guys. Um, I've 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 put my hands up and say I'm not a, a lifelong wrestling fan. Um, and there are certain there, there are certain areas that I'm not really a, a big fan of. Um. Another controversial opinion, attitude era, not really my kind of scene. Never has been, and never will be. I don't think. But um, I've got, I've got, I've got my own opinions of the attitude era. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a bit of a different journey from from most folk. Um, more recent than certainly most guys you'll find in, in a backstage uh, locker room. So, so just for people that are listening to this, going, yes, that it was two thousand eleven. Uh, sorry, two thousand twelve. Dolph Ziggler, Dick Ziggler won. Uh, so it might actually be that one. Because um, I do remember watching Dolph. I don't. I, I don't remember if he won the match or not. But I do remember watching Dolph in a match, and thinking this guy's actually pretty decent. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember. It, it must have been the same one then. That, uh, it must have been that Money in the Bank then that I watched. Yeah, so, yeah. Actually, so. it's crazy. I think because that doesn't feel like that long ago. But Christ, that's what coming up for nine years now. So that, that was is. a fairly lean period. So I can see where where you kind of drop out. Because my my opinion is it's which has changed. Dramatically, I started watching in '99. It was WWE, yeah. WF Heat on Channel Four. So when I was yeah, on Channel yeah. Four, and uh, from I don't know, just growing up, I found the Ruthless Aggression era better than Attitude Era because it was just more yeah. fun for me personally. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Um, but yeah, jump in, trying to, to restart your love of, of wrestling in 2011, 2012. Unless you've you've followed CM Punk or anything like that, it's a it's a hard, it's a hard sell. Oh, well, that's the one. Like, so the the reason why I stopped watching wrestling was because of the well, there was a, a little bit of the reputation, and it's it's part of the reason why I never really liked the Attitude Era. Um, like, I, I was what I'm a little bit older than you, so I would have been around about ten by the time the Attitude Era was fully kicking in, um, ninety nine to eight. I would have been turning ten, so um, around that time is when. A lot of my friends were really getting into it and I don't know I just thought it was really stupid um like looking back on it it is still really stupid like there's a lot of really bad wrestling and a lot of really bad storylines um in that era obviously there the stuff that was great is obviously what what keeps it in people's minds but I don't know the, the attitude here for me it, there was a it, I kind of line it up with a sort of Jerry Springer era of of that kind of trash tv um so for the longest time like i kind of looked at it as trash tv you know like i i i stopped watching it because i was like this is really stupid um and i thought all wrestling was like that um so it was only really when i started well when my girlfriend got me into it again um and and we started watching the sort of mid-card guys so your dolph zigglers your daniel bryans your cm punks um and you know I, i've always been a kind of i've been a really skinny guy as well i've always been really skinny growing up i've always had a um kind of problems with my weight throughout my my childhood and, and sort of teenage years um so i always dismiss wrestling as just being you know a bunch of steroids really muscly meaty men just 
looking ridiculous. But um, yeah, it was only really when I watched these guys and, and started to, especially like Money in the Bank's a great pay-per-view for it because, you know, it's a, it really showcases the, the, the mid-card guys, the, the the workhorses, as you if you might want to call them, you know, um, and, and obviously watching Ring of Honor, full of those guys as well. Like Austin Aries was probably one of the first names that kind of drew me back in uh, through Ring of Honor, although I probably wouldn't really watch any of Austin Aries matches anymore. But um, yeah, it, it, was, it was watching these kind of matches where I was like, actually, you know what? The smaller guys actually have a really good place in wrestling and, and they, they seem to be getting a lot of sort of TV time at the time and uh, a, a good chance to showcase their sort of ability. And that's part of the reason why I decided to start training is, is you know, I, look, I looked at it and gone, well, these guys aren't that much bigger than me, really. Um, like they're, they're kayfabe weights and heights are definitely not uh, not similar to mine, but like the real life height, like Adam Cole is much smaller than I am. Times at height, he's maybe a bit, was obviously a bit more muscular, but um, yeah, like there, there's real no real difference between the sort of up and coming guys that you see these days and, and well, me, you know, like there's a lot of like five foot five, five, six, look at guys like Pac, like he's tiny compared to, to, what people expect out of a, a normal wrestling kind of persona, you know? So, um, absolutely. Speaking of, well, I've, I've met Pac, I was yeah. very lucky to, and he's, yeah, he's shorter than me. And I was looking at him going, How how are you shorter than me? <laughs> uh, and then, well, I've met Chavo Guerrero as well. He's huge, my huge in comparison. Yeah, yeah. He's like, How you look tiny on TV, and now you're, yeah, just like dwarfing me a little bit uh but yeah so ring of honor was was kind of your did, did tna also jump in around about then as well yeah, i watched i think i watched a little bit after uh actually i'm telling you i'm, 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 I'm trying to get my uh my bearings right with who was where when i started watching i think austin aries was actually in tna at the time so he would have been one of the guys that i watched through tna rather than ring of honor sorry um but uh, uh i think i think we watched more tna back in the day just because it was on challenge it was a lot easier to watch. Um, didn't really want to watch Raw and SmackDown on. Well, we did. I wasn't paying for Sky Sports, so certainly still not paying for uh, well BT Sport. I guess it is now. Um, wouldn't pay the price just to watch Raw and SmackDown. Um, and uh, yeah, TNA was just more accessible, so I watched a lot more of that than, than WWE. I still don't really watch much WWE, even though I've obviously been wrestling for a few years really really into wrestling but wwe sort of the main roster at least is, is still never really gripped me the same way as uh, as other promotions um and it is the other promotions that are, are what drew me back into wrestling and, and what actually made me make that that push into starting training to actually become a wrestler myself yeah um, so that was 2012 when you made your debut uh, sorry 2015 I'm all over the place. Yes. Today, yeah, yeah. 2015 is your debut. So, uh, when did you actually start training? What, what year was that? Um, it was, I think it was just about a year before. Um, so, it wasn't that long after the school opened in Dundee. Um, I actually didn't even realize there was any, any local wrestling at the time. Like, I'd been watching wrestling for a couple of years by this point. Um, but I actually didn't realize what the, the local scene was like. I'd only, I'd obviously watched some of the smaller promotions, but there were the smaller major promotions. So like I'd watched a bit of New Japan by this point. Um, and then obviously Impact and, and, and Ring of Honor, um, as well as, as WWE. But I, I obviously knew 
about the indie wrestling scene, but I thought it was more an English thing or a Glasgow kind of thing. I'd obviously heard of ICW, but um, I, didn't, I didn't realize just how many promotions there were. Um, just thought about Scotland, you know, like I, I'd, I'd never heard of like SWE. I'd never heard of, of uh, Reckless Intent. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. I'd never heard of Reckless Intent. I'd never heard of WrestleZone or anything like that. Um, and it was, I think it was actually on a night out in Dundee. I'd seen posters for uh, the DDP show. Uh, and the Bret Hart show um, and it, it was only when I saw that in a kebab shop at like three o'clock in the morning after a, a night out I think at Underground or something or like Fat Sam's or something like that in Dundee um, that I even realised that there was actually wrestling in Dundee um, and it wasn't that long after the school opened in Dundee after they moved from Blair Gowrie that I uh, decided let's just, let's just go along. I, I never ever intended on actually getting to the point of debuting um, at that point, I just I just remember watching these guys and going, I actually just love to just stand in a ring and run the ropes a bit and maybe take a few moves, do a few moves, take a few bumps. Um, so I remember paying, I think I paid a full month because um, they, they did, um, you could either pay for a month or you could pay per session. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this an actual go. Um, I'll pay for a full month makes me obligated to actually go to training for a month if i don't like it i'll just stop going if i do like it you know we'll keep going and, and obviously i just kept going so uh what did you have a sports background beforehand nope. you said you struggled to wait was just was that a factor as well <laughs> never no. never see see you go back to like high my high school days and like primary school days and that kind of thing like um i think Dundee's Dundee's a weird one when it comes to sport, especially in public school. So I I, I, I went to Morgan Academy um, in Dundee and I went to Cleppington Primary beforehand. And they're very they're, they're located very central in Dundee. Um, it's it's not a very uh, it's it's a fairly lower class school, you know. Um, I'm not I'm not saying this in like a dig to the other people around it around me, but like. The, families of my classmates were all very working class as well um and most of them share a love of football so football is the sport in dundee especially in in, in public schools and certainly the public schools i went to if you don't like football you do basically don't like sports so i i hate football i absolutely cannot stand it you know it's, it's even worse now i'm living in glasgow because i've got obviously the celtic rangers kind of rivalries but even in Dundee, the Dundee United-Dundee rivalry, I just I couldn't hack it. I absolutely hated it. Um, so I, when I was a school kid, I used to try and get LP as much as possible because basically all we did was play football. Um, There's a couple of couple of months where we maybe play hockey or maybe play something else, but I always came back to playing football and I hated football. So by proxy, I basically hated any kind of sport. So I was very, I was very inactive as a child. Um, I never, I never went to the gym, probably actually until I started training, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I spent most of my childhood, and I still, I still do, I guess, um, playing video games mostly. Um, so yeah, like re no real background at all in, um, in, in any sort of sport or physical activity. Um, it was actually one of the reasons why I was hesitant to make that leap into training because... I, I, I wasn't fit at all. Like I knew my cardio was terrible. I was, um, I was still really skinny. I mean, I still am skinny, but I was even skinnier than I am now. Um, and I, I, I didn't know whether or not I should bulk up a little bit first before training or if it would come 
just naturally through training. And I, I decided to just to go the, the route of doing it while I was training. Um, I'm still not particularly like, I'm, I, I'd say I'm fit. I'm not like the gold standard. I'm far from it, but um, I'm certainly a lot, a lot fitter and a lot healthier probably than I, than I was 10 years ago, you know? So what was it like taking that first bump then? So you've had no physical activity. Uh, you don't have a uh, background in uh, any kind of martial art or anything like that or, or no. used to being thrown to the ground. So how yeah. is it getting thrown into the deep end and, and hitting the ropes and bumping for the first um, time? Sore. I think it'll be the same for, even if you have a history of, of work, of, of being in sort some sort of sport, sporting capacity, it is sore. Like your first bumps are very sore unless you're like really already trained in taking break falls through some sort of martial art um bumping is, is so unnatural to you that it, it, especially for someone like me it, it, it did actually take a while um to get used to it um the first few months like i would come back with like my my elbows will be bruised i actually remember um having to get an x-ray not long after I started because I, I think I just took a really bad back bump and um, I felt the my feeling just went in my arm and that went through my whole body. I was white as a sheep and uh, I was like, Christ, this is this is just terrible. This is like a couple of months in and I'm still really struggling to get these back bumps. And um, I, 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 I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even say now I'm, I'm great, but... I, I certainly didn't take to it like a duck to water, you know, like I, um, I, w I, I went the hard way through training, you know, I, I had to kind of force myself to, to break through that barrier of, um, of getting it. Like I, I didn't, it did not come naturally to me at all. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd see other people come through training that, that did take to it like a duck to water, you know, like JD Wild, for example, he, um, he, he had a little bit of history anyway. I think he, he did a bit of, of uh, Greco-Roman back in the day. And um, he's, he's always been a, a active guy anyway. So like watching him come in and, you know, he got back bumps like that. He was able to run the ropes like that. He was taking taking moves and doing moves like that. Um, so his his training before he debuted was, was a lot shorter than mine. Um, but it was actually probably him coming to training that, that kind of helped me push through um to get to to where the to the point where we got to actually debut i would um, probably say if he if he didn't debut uh, if he didn't start training with me it would probably have taken me a lot longer to actually get to the point of having a match on a show well you've segued beautifully into the next bit which was uh, your debut in 2015 was with jd yeah. wild uh so what were your thoughts going to that first match absolutely bricking it um it came out of nowhere i'd like See, when you're training, you always hear people say to you in the back and at training and your, your, your coaches will say to you, always be ready for it. So like, I was actually quite lucky in the sense that I'd only a few months prior just went and bought my first ring gear, which is just plain black uh, biker shorts, plain black kick pad, uh, knee pad covers and, uh, and kick pad covers. Um, just on the off chance, you know, that, that the day could come at any point. Um, didn't have a name yet, didn't have music yet, didn't have anything yet, really. I wouldn't have said I was probably ready at the time, but we got the um, we got the 
the news the morning of the show. Um, it was actually originally meant to be a triple threat, which if I'm honest, I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad it was a singles match. It was originally supposed to be a triple threat between myself, JD Wild, and um, the Riot Chris James. He ended I don't up. Know why that, I knew that was a new name we we're going to say. I don't know why. So you said triple threat. I thought. Yeah. Right, Chris James. It's gonna be right, Chris James, isn't it? Anyway, um, sorry, interrupt you. <laughs> to, to be honest, you, you'll probably hate me for saying this, but he did kind of chicken out of it a bit. Um, I think, to be fair to him, he, he didn't think he was quite ready for it yet. So he um, he said, "Thank you for the opportunity, but I'll um, I'll pass on it for now." So he ended up actually refereeing the match. To be to be honest with you, um, but I am glad it wasn't a triple threat, just because you know three absolute green as grass guys never had a match before. A triple threat would have been a disaster. Um, so we got, I think it was a six-minute match, just myself and JD. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it happened with him. Like, if there's one person I would have trusted in the ring that day, it would have been been JD. Like, I, I trust the guy every day in the ring. You know, we, we've had plenty of matches now. And, um, but yeah, there's nobody I trust more than this guy in the ring. Um, and I think we had a decent match. You know, I've not, I've not watched it for a while. Um but especially compared to other debut matches, and especially considering both of us were debuting, um, I think it was a pretty decent match. You know, it was, it was basic as hell, but um, you know, it got the job done. I, we didn't really make any any real mistakes, um, other than I think JD. We did the the, the, the box standard sleep leap into the hip toss. Um, JD went under me, I think, during the leap, tripped over his shoe. And almost went flying out of the ring, um, which is good to watch back. But uh, yeah, other than that, like we recovered well and, and we got from from A to B. And, and to be honest with you, it was it was actually a really good show. Um, I, I don't remember any of the rest of the show, but I, when I say it's a really good show, I mean the crowd were brilliant. Um, it was it was at the Archer Complex. We had the um, the balcony open as well. It's probably the most people I've seen in the Arthur Complex for a match, for a show, sorry. Um, so it was it was very nerve-wracking because of that, because there was so many people there. We were, we were used to having just the, the main floor open, and we would usually get changed back, uh, back on the balcony. But we had the balcony open as well that day, and uh, yeah, it was full. So um, we, we, you know, had a lot of pressure on us. But... Um, it, it was, it was a bit of a funny one. We, uh, like I say, we didn't have a name or anything at the time, so um, we didn't have any music. So it was literally a case of of going up to uh, up to the the, uh, the music desk and saying, right, what have you got on iTunes? Let's just pick the best song. Um, JD ended up picking the Arctic Monkeys, um, which he used for a while actually. Um, I've got a terrible music taste, so I didn't want to pick anything kind of mainstream so i think i ended up picking uh, i think it was the chemical brothers block rock and beats which thinking back on it, it's a terrible engine song but um yeah i used that for a couple of shows i think we used that for the first three shows um and that's where the name kenny kid came from and and to be honest with you i hated i, I hated the name from the, the beginning i always wanted to, to change it as soon as i came up with it but it was one of those things where you know we had a couple of hours before the show and i needed a name um to debut with so uh the name actually came from obviously kenny from from my, my real name but um the kid part actually came from uh jesper kid who is the 
he's, he's a composer for various video games. So he, I think he does Assassin's Creed soundtracks. Um, is, is probably what he's most famous for these days. But uh, like, I really enjoy. He used to do like a lot of electronics. I'm a big electronic music fan. He used to do a lot of electronic music soundtracks back in the day. Um, so he's, he's always been a composer. I like. So I, I, I like the alliteration. Hence why uh, I, I kept the the alliteration for uh, for Ken Kane. But uh, yeah, I hated the name to begin with. As soon as I as soon as I debuted with it, and uh, I, th- I thought back on it and went, obviously the word kid is going to think of one, the goat thing, which got compared to Daniel Bryan a lot. And uh, obviously it just made me sound like a child, which, you know, when I debuted, what, 2015? So I would have been 20... don't even know. I'll lose track of how old I am. Um, that's like seven years well, ago. I mean, I, I turned 30 last year, and that's the only way I know because I know it's nice. <laughs> uh, so I would have been what 20, 24, 25. So uh, I wasn't I wasn't young by uh, by by any debut standards, you know, especially when you're seeing guys de- debut at the age of like 15, 16, 17, um, 25, mid 20s isn't a, a young age to debut. Um, so yeah, I always always hate the name Ken, uh, Kenny Kid and um wanted to change it at the first chance and I just never ever got the chance um I actually wanted to change it on the sh- first show back after I came back from Australia but um I got I got kind of talked out of it until uh until obviously I ended up changing it a few months later I think it was like March after I came back so it was, it was a good six seven months after I came back that I changed the name um but it was always on the agenda as soon as I got back from Australia um we needed needed the name changed ASAP um, so, I mean, for, for all the faults, and there is many of Dundee, uh, <laughs> one thing that you can't not say is, is the crowd. The crowd want their wrestling and they love their wrestling. Yeah, I loved the the Dundee crowd are fantastic. I mean, I, um, I know myself because I've, well, I've been to many shows when they're in the Arthur Complex uh, way back when. Um, and yeah, when you said the open balcony, my first thought was like, no, that's, that's where they changed because that's that's yeah. what I remember yeah, yeah. from when I went down there. Uh, twenty, I was at twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen was last time I went, I think. Uh, so yeah, I was at that DDP show as well at the at the Arthur. Um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, they, they do love the wrestling uh, down in Dundee. But so it's just been there you've been before you went to Australia, or actually we'll go back to the first match first. Um, you we talked about the physical the like bumps and all that kind of stuff first match bricking it um are you quite an outspoken person was was bringing the crowd in or because it was a dundee crowd it was quite easy absolutely not um like i'll be honest it's probably the one thing that i really still struggle with to this day like i'm a very introverted person um you know, I, like I say, I spent my childhood basically in my house playing video games. And this is before the days of Xbox Live and, you know, the PlayStation uh, Network. So this was all, um, you know, PS1, PS2. You'd had one extra friend round to play video games with, you know. So like, uh, and a lot of these games I played were like single player games. I'm a big RPG fan. So like, even even to this day, like mostly I don't really play online games that often. Um, so it was a lot of, of single player games, which means a lot of... Uh, isolation uh even though obviously i i did have you know um a good hand for the friends growing up i've never been like that out, out, kind of outspoken person um i'm not i'm not the kind of person that will go out their way to um to like get to know someone like if i'm if i'm in a 
a crowd of, of people that I've never met before. I'll probably wait till, till they speak to me before I, I speak to them. So yeah, um, as, as an introvert person, you know, trying to get any, any real connection to the crowd's always been a really tough one for me. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that thinks uh, the worst probably all the time. So uh, I, I, I tend to, um, to overthink a lot, um, which has its ups and downs, but in a wrestling match, it, it actually has quite a lot of downs because you end up thinking too much and, and forget almost to uh, that you've even got a crowd there. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm unsuccessful, you know, like I've, I've obviously ended up with a, with a decent, um, decent following in Dundee and, uh, you know, the places I have worked, I, I feel like I've, I've done what I, I needed to do. But for the the type of personality I've got and the the, the type of um, kind of guy I am, like I, I find it a lot harder than uh, than some people. Like like I say, GD is a complete polar opposite to me. You know, he'll he'll throw himself into anything head first, sometimes literally. You know, and um, so he's he's the kind of guy that you know the crowd would he 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 has the crowd in the palm of his hands within seconds because uh, he's, he's just that kind of guy. He's he's, he's very charismatic. Um, and I, I'm very jealous of it sometimes. So I've, uh, like mine and JD's relationship's been, been one of opposites and, and sort of yin and yang, you know? So, um, we, we both bounce off each other and he, he brings the best out of me. Um, I'm sure he'll say that, that I bring the best out of him as well. Uh, um, so yeah, we're, we're very similar then because my, my yeah, age, yeah. my growing up in this, my childhood was mainly watching wrestling, going to Saturday market and buying VHSs and, uh, <laughs> LimeWire was my friend. LimeWire. Uh, LimeWire, the the virus of many a computer that I've yeah. killed over my time. And yes, single player games or just wrestling games, really, uh, SmackDown games and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's very strange being an introvert, doing what you do, do the wrestling bit, and doing this as well because um, I'm I'm more comfortable doing it over Zoom because once the conversation's over, that's it. I don't have to yeah, shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Like I've always thought, once this over, I might get guests into my studio, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, but no, I'm going to tell them to get out eventually. And <laughs> at least this way, I can just go end meeting. I'm, right. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. over. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, definitely something we have in in common. Um, so you're kind of kid. Uh, you, I think a lot of your matches starting off was with with JD. Uh, from yeah the first three matches we had were were against each other um so we opened we had like a, a they, they did a thing for a while we, we did it a few times and then we stop it and then we maybe try it again and then we we kind of leave it but um the whole point of of our matches to begin with were they were dark matches so um they were they were like this seven o'clock would be the first bell and, and we would go out maybe 20 to 7 just to, to warm the crowd up um and and even at twenty to seven, you know, the, the for the first couple of shows, the the crowd was at capacity. You know, the people were already in uh, before the dark match even started. Um, so it wasn't even like we were wrestling in front of half of half of a hall. You know, we were pretty pretty much wrestling in front of the full crowd. Um, third match wasn't the dark match. First two were dark matches. I think the third match was mid card. It was it was back when they did the European tournaments. Um, I think we were a mid-card match on the first night. Um, 
I think we were we were supposed to have a fourth match the day after, but I was actually in London that day, so I wasn't on that show. Um, but yeah, we we've we've, we've had loads of matches. I can't actually remember how many matches I've had now. It must be at least fifteen to twenty. Um, we wrestled quite a lot in the first couple of years, um, especially on the lead up to, to our first title reigns back in the back in the end or middle of twenty sixteen. Um, most most of our feuds kind of, even though we'd obviously wrestle other people, getting a feud with other people would always end up back um, with our sights on each other, and it's, it was great. We I liked having that rivalry from day one, um, and uh, you know I'm, I'm sure in the future once once we can wrestle again, whenever that will be, uh, whether it be in, in FCW or any other promotion, the two of us will I'm sure we'll get back together and. And face each other again at some point. So I was I was going through your opponents on the old cage match. Uh, the Germans putting together the information. Yeah. Although I think possibly most of the information came from us uh, somehow. <laughs> because I think I was the only place that carried. I always uh, I always wondered how how you actually submit information because I've I've been on my page a, a little bit of a vanity thing just to see how much information gets gets put on and how accurate it is. And there's been a couple of times I've gone, oh, they've missed a, a show here. I could never work out how to actually tell them. Oh, by the way, this is a show. Here's the card. Have you have you ever submitted to them yet? No, but oh. it, it's always the case where I get the results uh, for not just for those shows. Although I seem to be the only place that carried them, so I'm assuming that it came yeah. from me. Um, but uh, for other shows, and then an hour later they appear on Cage Match, and I'm like, all right, just give me some credit. <laughs> I've taken the time to get this information. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've no idea how to actually submit to cage match. I'd love to because I have seen mistakes myself, and I'm just like, going, no, that's wrong. But I don't know how to tell you that's wrong. Yeah, I can never work out. Um, so yeah, I was going through your, your list of, of opponents. And one that that kind of a lot of guys you, you face were of that of the company of the yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but one that that caught my eye was looking sharp um, because he's very much, uh, I would say, the polar opposite. To you in terms Absolutely. of personality yeah. charisma yeah uh, and he's doing huge things in europe and everywhere at the moment um so i would say at that point that was probably one of your more uh i would say big name opponents because he's yeah done yeah. things uh, everywhere else uh what was it like going into to that match particularly with him um it was really good um we actually I, i'm trying to remember we weren't originally supposed to have Lou in because um, we, we brought him in during this was during the um, the period throughout 2016 just before I left where um, myself, JD and Stephen Miles had been told three of you are going to get the future division title this year um, you guys can basically write yourselves what you're doing with it how you're doing it kind of thing so we had always led up to we, we'd, written, we'd written the year basically to lead up to the august show which was which was hell for lycra um and we always knew we wanted to have a ladder match at that show um and we had we had toyed with the idea of bringing in an outside guy just to to elevate the the story a little bit so um yeah, that, that's that's essentially how Lou came in. Um, I can't actually remember how his name got brought up. Um, it was it was definitely between the three of us that we decided to bring him in. Um, 
I'm trying to remember though. I don't I don't recall JD or Steven actually having a, a one-on-one match with him. Um, I could be wrong though. But uh, actually, I tell a lie. I'm completely making that up. I'm pretty sure my singles match with Lou came a little bit before then. And it was after that that we decided, oh, let's actually bring him in for, for our feud later on. Um, I don't remember exactly how, how the match came about, but I think it was just a case of... Um, you know, we we'd been we'd been around a little bit now. We were kind of doing pretty well considering the length of time we'd been with the company, and um, I think we were just. I think JD got a, another outside guy as well around the same time, so we had just both been given uh, an outside opponent just as a as a nice wee treat basically for 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 what we had done so far. And uh, yeah, like it was, it was really nerve wracking. Like Lou's a great guy, like um, a, a lot of time for the guy. Uh, I've worked on with him a couple of times, and I've been on a good few shows with him now. And he's he's a great guy. Um, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like his his charisma is through the roof. Um, it's it's kind of it was kind of difficult, but at the same time, it was really easy to work the match because Lou does everything for you. Like you don't really need to worry about getting the crowd behind you because if if Lou's working heel, the crowd will hate him, and he will make sure the crowd hates him. Um, so by proxy, the crowd will love you, you know. Um, so I, I remember not actually doing an awful lot in that match because Lou basically carried the whole thing for us. Um, he, he we did a lot of I think we had maybe twelve minutes, and I think the first five or six minutes was just Lou berating the crowd and just doing what Lou does. Um, and it was a good six, seven minutes maybe before we even locked up. Um, and the rest of the match after that was easy because he had, you know, he'd, he'd got the crowd exactly where he wanted them. And by proxy, I had the crowd where I wanted them um, without even having to say a word. Like Lou did all the work for me. So it's um, almost your ideal kind of situation. <laughs> that, that is ideal for me. The less work I need to do, the better. <laughs> um, um so, so did you take your break not long after that, after that health for Lycra? Yeah, so it, to be honest, it came out of nowhere. Um, I'd, I'd always planned on moving to Glasgow. Um, I, I'd lived in Dundee at that point, well, 2016 is when I left. So that would be 28 years I would have lived in Dundee. And at that point, I'll, I'll be honest, like my, my, 2016, I wasn't in a great place mentally. Um, towards the end of 2015, 2016, I was I was really just not great. Uh, my mental health was was rubbish. Like it was absolutely shot. And um, I was my my intention was to move to Glasgow, which obviously I eventually did. But um, I remember being really depressed about the December, January, end of 2015, 2016. And at the time, I just I just hated where I was in life. I just hated the job I was working. Um, I was I was I was working working in retail in Dundee and it was just absolutely soul destroying. Um, I just I just wasn't getting anywhere that I wanted to be, um, and I, I just wasn't happy. So I, I originally wanted to go, to go to Glasgow, but the more I thought about it, the more I realised it's just a bigger Dundee and it's only an hour away. So um, I had a couple of guys I worked with and other couple of guys I knew who had done their own traveling, maybe not Australia, but some people went to New Zealand, some people went to um, other sort of Asian countries, some people just went and did Europe. But um, 
a couple of friends went and did, did Australia and a few guy, a, a couple of mates said I'd had got plans to go to Australia. And the more I thought about it, I was like, I want to do it. Like I say, I was 28 at the time. And um, in order to get a working holiday visa, you basically need to do it before you're 30. And I I'd never really, I, I come from a, a very, I, I don't want to say poor family, but like I, my mum was uh, a single mum growing up, myself and my sister. Um, we, we never really had an awful lot of uh of privileges you know like my mum my mum worked on and off while also going to college while also trying to you know pay pay our way as well and um i i always kind of struggled that's, that's probably part of the reason why i was quite introverted and the, the fact that i didn't really have the money that some of my friends would have had to go out all the time i certainly never had the holidays that, that some of my friends had so i think really by the time i left for australia i had had a grand total of three holidays abroad in my whole life. Two of them were to Euro Disney, which was when I was like five and 10, you know, so I don't even remember them. Um, other than them, the only time I say Euro Disney, that's actually showing my age there. Disneyland Paris, I guess it's called now. Yep. Um, <laughs> the only other time I've actually been on a, a normal holiday, like when I was old enough to really enjoy it was, um, I went to Bulgaria for a week when I was when I was with my ex-girlfriend and other than that it's the only time I've ever been abroad so like I, 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 I spoke to a couple of friends who had been to Australia and they were talking about you know getting a working holiday visa and um, I thought if I, if I move to Glasgow I'll have to get a job and I'll probably settle and by the time I'm ready to, to go do it if I want to do it in the future I'll be too old to do it and I won't get the I won't be able to get the the grant for the visa so I was like I'm doing it so we, uh, I think it was January, end of January, I decided, right, we're going, we're going to Australia. I basically decided it for myself and my girlfriend. She didn't really have much choice, but fortunately she was, uh, she was up for it as well. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was quite short notice. You know, we, we decided on it in January. We needed to save up enough money um, before we left, which was at the end of August. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we didn't really give that much notice to uh to the guys in, in Dundee. Um I think I I pulled them up maybe a couple of months before just to say I've got news, I'm leaving for a year. Um but it, it was it was fine because it wrapped up the story we were telling. We like I say we it was myself, JD and, and Stephen Miles. We were running the uh the future division at the time. And we weren't booking anything other than our own stuff. But we had uh, we had our own matches and 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 it was it was a perfect perfect way for me to end it because that was the ladder match. It was myself, JD, um, Stephen, and Looking Sharp, uh, which Stephen ended up winning the title there. And then yeah, I, I got to say goodbye there for a wee while. Um, but that that was a, a really really enjoyed. Like although I say my my mental health wasn't great. Um, probably the only thing keeping me going at that point other than the the fact that I was leaving for Australia was um was the work I was doing with those guys because that was I, I really really enjoyed that run um that was when JD got the title for the first time and uh around the same the, the time I took the title from him is probably probably still to this day my favorite match I've ever had um just we just had a lot of fun with it um so I mean 
being being not a, a big fan going up there, I don't know how much of a title guy you are uh, getting a hold of an actual wrestling belt. But um, winning that future division championship, which is probably one of my my favourite looking belts uh, in Scottish wrestling, it's just because Back to the Future and that's just yeah yeah, yeah. all good stuff. Um, was it like winning your first title? Was, was it euphoric or was it just like cool? Yeah, I mean, although although I didn't really have the um the admiration of wrestling belts that you probably have um you know it's, it's still i still knew what it meant you know and, and it's 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 a funny one you, you, you try and explain wrestling titles to someone and they go oh, it doesn't really mean that much though because you know it's all storylines you know you're just given it but you know you don't get it unless you deserve it almost you know um and at that point you know i, I felt like you know, being told, like they say, we myself, JD, and, and Stephen got pulled into the locker room um, at the start of 2016. And that was when we were told, by the way, the three of you are going to get a run with the belt this year. Um, and being trusted enough to to be able to not only get the belt, but also to write how how I got the belt. You know, it was it was good. It was. I I don't know if euphoric's quite the word, but it was. You know. It, it made you feel like you had accomplished something, you know, and and it, it finally gave you kind of validation. Although I'm not, I'm not really a title guy. Like I've, the way I like my wrestling stories doesn't really involve titles very often. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the fact that being given a title is is a, a really good reward, regardless of what promotion you you earn it in. Um. So it, it it was good, and it it was it was great to know that you were trusted enough that you were going to at least for a while, because um, I only had the belt the first time round for about a month and a half before I dropped it to um, to Stephen. Uh, well, actually, I actually dropped it to Lou technically because I lost it in the gauntlet match um, a couple of months before before Lycra. Uh, well, I technically lost it to to JD, but Lou ended up with the uh, with the belt at the end of the match. Whatever. Um, the, the fact that I, until that point where I lost it, you know, I, I was the face of the division and, um, you know, it, it's, it is, it's a good feeling to know that the work you're putting in is, uh, is being recognised. Uh, so, going to Australia, um, I noticed, again, on your cage match, uh, that you've got a couple of matches in MCW uh, down in Australia. So, yeah, how did, how was that set up? It was just, you got there, sent your CV somewhere locally or... Um, was it? Did you get a bit of an itch to do some wrestling? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, like I say, part of the reason, well, the main reason I left to go to Australia was was to kind of try and find a bit more happiness in my personal life. So I never, I never went over with the intention of making it a wrestling trip. Um, but I obviously took my gear with me. I took took everything with me just on the off chance um, I could do something. And I, I was really fortunate where we lived. I lived in South Melbourne. Um, and there was a school not that, that that far away from me. It was actually about a twenty minute walk. It was actually really close, considering how how far a lot of people, even in Scotland, travel to a wrestling school. Um, I did before I left for for Melbourne. I, I you know got in touch with a few local promotions, um, try to send my CV around. It's like any job, you know, you end up just not hearing back from anywhere, um, and you know there was no reason for them to get you know, get back in touch with me. Like I was a complete no name 
um especially in australian wrestling where you know in dundee i'd only really wrestled in dundee um sorry in scotland i only really wrestled in dundee and a couple of matches elsewhere but i was mostly a dundee guy a one promotion guy and um even scotland i wasn't well known so i certainly wasn't well known in australia so i, I wasn't in, i wasn't anticipating getting any sort of response um but there there was a school um which i got in touch with who had me come in for a for a wee um we uh i wasn't really an interview i tried I, I basically bypassed their their beginner process because they they wanted people to have a, a proper there was like a six to eight week uh beginners class that they they wanted everyone through the door to do but obviously because i'd had training and i'd wrestled elsewhere i uh, i came in how do we sit down with the coach and had uh he put me he actually it's probably the only time i've ever been actually i did spew um he had me come in for uh for a wee session by myself um on a sunday in 35 degree heat you know it was middle of summer or it was coming into summer anyway um and sort of october time in melbourne and uh yeah it was, it was i've never trained in heat quite like it before or since and uh yeah he really really made me work to get a to get a spot in his classes um coach is a guy called carlo cannon who i have I, I cannot say a bad word against the guy. Like the guy is, he's, he's although I only knew him in, in Melbourne for maybe like what, nine months. Um, you know, I would, I would trust the guy with my whole life. Like the guy, um, the, the guy was trained, he's trained by, uh, by, uh, by Lance Storm. And he, um, I think he had, I think originally Peyton Royce was one of the trainers at the school as well, obviously before she signed with WWE. So, um, you know, he's got good connections as well and his, his training's fantastic. Like I've, I've, he's probably my favorite coach I've ever worked under because he is, he's probably the most passionate man I've, I've ever met, um, in a, in a wrestling school and, um, the guy would do anything for you. But, um, yeah, I trained with him for a while and although they weren't, um, part of MCW, a lot of the guys that trained with us at Vicious Pursuit, um, would wrestle for mcw so i I'd, I'd been along to a couple of mcw shows to be honest with you, it didn't i didn't get as much of a chance to wrestle as, as i wanted there was a couple of shows i wanted to do they had like a sort of royal rumble show that they had planned i think in the january um which i was supposed to be working but i ended up they ended up postponing it i think until it was actually the month after i left melbourne which was really bad timing um so i didn't really work i didn't work any other main shows but i uh, i did work a few other gala style shows uh, i think the ones on cage match uh, would have been the st kilda fest um so i got to work with a few of their guys and I, 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 I you know some of the guys that were on the on those shows anyway i'd, I'd trained with and worked, worked matches with anyway at training um so the, the, they weren't like new faces to me like I'd, I'd known them enough at this point to to know who they were um and know what their style was um but it, it was still amazing you know just Although, although I didn't wrestle anywhere near as much as I would have liked, um, you know, I certainly wasn't like DCT, who actually ended up, uh, Vicious Pursuit is actually the same school that DCT uh, coached uh, for while he was, while he was in Melbourne. But um, yeah, I, I didn't intend on, on wrestling while I was, well, I didn't, I didn't plan on it anyway. I did hope that I would get a few matches. I didn't have as many matches as I would have liked, but uh, yeah, the experience is still, still absolutely amazing. Um like I say, I'm, I'm still still in touch with a lot of the guys. Um, 
Carlo especially. Carlo, Carlo's amazing. He, um, he was one of the first guys when lockdown started to actually do like online classes. So um, it, it was it was actually fantastic. So I, I hadn't I, I texted him and emailed him or spoke to him on Messenger or whatever a few times over the years, but I've never actually spoken to him again. I've never seen his face outside of like Instagram stories and, and, and what he posts online. Um, so when he started doing the online classes, he was like, come on, come on to the classes and, you know, speak to the guys again. It was for like, for those first couple of months of lockdown, I would, I would log in. I, I should have been working. So I hope, I hope none of the guys in my work see this, but I'd log in at nine o'clock. He'd have it because of the, the, the time difference. It would be like seven o'clock there in Melbourne. It would be like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock here in the morning. And um, while I had my work laptop open, I would have his classes on, on Zoom. And uh, those couple of months were, were amazing. Like I, I properly fell in love with wrestling again, almost even though I were, wasn't able to physically train, just having Carlo on the other end of the, the Zoom call and seeing the guys I trained with uh, back in Melbourne, it was uh, it was absolutely amazing for a couple of months. I ended up being so busy with work that I couldn't. He still does them to this day, the the online classes. But I've just been so busy with my day job that I, I've just not been able to get on them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I owe a lot to Carlo. Uh, I actually he ended up kind of taking me in for a couple of weeks before I left Melbourne. Um, our flatmate in Melbourne was a bit of a a bit of a nightmare. She'd uh, she'd stay up till like five in the morning, six in the morning, you know blaring loud music whatever um to the point where we just, we just couldn't sleep and we ended up leaving our flat a good couple of weeks before we left melbourne and we ended up just living in a a wee room in his his, his, his wrestling school um he didn't didn't make us pay for it at all he, just, he was absolutely happy to just give us a place to stay for a couple of weeks and um yeah for he's, he's just that kind of guy like he he does it because he loves it he obviously charges for training or whatever but you know he's he's he would rather he would rather someone was happy and they were getting the training and they were getting what they want out of training um the, the money side of things completely different uh, completely secondary even though it is his job um he he would rather be a little bit of debt and give the guys the best training experiences that uh, that, that he can give them than have guys not be able to train because they can't afford it um so i i, I do miss the guy I, I do. I, I obviously there's a lot of good training schools in the UK, but um, if I could train anywhere again, I would. I'd love to be back in Melbourne training under them. So that's quite a, a journey then yourself mentally from starting in what, 2014, uh, being quite the introvert, not wanting to being the last person to speak to in a group kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To put yourself out there, total foreign country, uh, nobody you know, and then just just. Get, was, was that good for your own kind of uh, I don't know, drive or, or your own mental health, kind of being able to push oh, yourself absolutely. to do that? Yeah, like I, I find it's difficult even even in Scotland. Like, although I did most of my training in Dundee, um, before I went to Melbourne, I'd, I'd, I went down to Source a couple of times. I went down to Reckless a couple of times. And, uh, you know, I knew a couple of guys from there anyway because they, they, they'd wrestle in Dundee or they'd come up... Um, but I always find it so nerve-wracking going to a brand new school or a new promotion because you're the newbie. And especially if you've got, like, I hate, I hate the pressure and I hate the fact that, you know, when you walk into a wrestling school for the first time and you go, 
oh, I've trained here and I've trained there and, you know, I, I can wrestle, you know. I feel like everyone's judging you. Like, and and, and wrestling, wrestling's, yeah, wrestling's a funny one because it's, like, everyone, everyone at training school is usually like a family, but it's almost like when someone new comes into the family, like you say, it's just like a prove it. You've got to kind of prove yourself that you're, you're fit to be part of that family. Um, so it's, I, I find that really difficult. And, but, you know, when I went to, and yeah, some schools I think are a lot more difficult with it than others, but, um, but going to Melbourne and, and it was actually the most nerve wracking part of it was like, like I say, that the first training session I had with Carlo, it was just me and him. And he basically put me through my paces. He made me do ridiculous drills um, and, and basically asked so much of me just to basically see how much he can push me to see how much I could do. And uh, the most nerve-wracking part of it was, you know, halfway through, I'm gassed out my nut. I can barely stand up. I was literally spewing. And, uh, you know, the, the rest of the guys are coming in for the 2 p.m. class and they're all just sitting watching me while they wait for their class to start. And obviously at this point, I'd never met any of them. So I don't know which ones are trainees. I don't know which ones are roster guys. I'd, I'd, I'd obviously never really <clears throat> seen any wrestling shows in Australia at that point. So I didn't know who the who the, the roster was um, or who the names were again in Australian wrestling at that point. So um, yeah, the, the fact that you've, you're have you getting you know, your, your ass kicked basically in the ring by your trainer and you've got all these guys with their eyes on you. Um, once you get past that, the rest of it was easy. And then Carlo, Carlo's school, especially like the, I've never met a bunch of guys who are so welcoming. Um, after that first day, you know, you, you'd go to class. It doesn't matter if you were a brand new guy, they'd only had one match, uh, one, one training session, or if you had been tra uh, training for like 10, 15 years and had a 500 matches under your belt, you know, you got treated exactly the same. And, uh, and everyone, was out for each other you know one thing I, I i do find a lot in wrestling is there are some people that are willing to kind of throw you under the bus if it means that it'll help them out a little bit um and i, I didn't find that at all at, at carlos school versus pursuit like I, I felt like it's probably the most i've seen uh, like you, you see you see the, the the phrase family thrown around a lot but that like vicious pursuit and Carlos school is, is the one school I've seen that actually 100% fits that, that, that name of family, you know, they all, they all really look out, out for each other there. Um, and I, um, on you yeah. go, sorry. No, 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 on you go. No, I was, I was just, oh, I, I was just a, 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 a gap there, but no, <laughs> you continue. Um, I, I was just about to say, you know, so, so after I came back, you know, it really, it really boosts my confidence knowing that, there's a school like that, that that is happy to accept you. So, um, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier in the future. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's still difficult. And if I was to go down to a brand new school today, I'll, I'll probably still feel nervous because, uh, well, one, I've not wrestled in well, a year and a half now. Oh no, sorry. A year. Um, but also, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of feel like you've got a lot of eyes on you and a lot of people looking for you to fail. People hope that you fail. I've noticed that a lot in wrestling. Um, but you eventually get a thick skin over it. And, you know, you get a lot of criticisms that come your way. Um, and I feel like in the last few years, you know, you've, I've, I've certainly learned how to deal with those criticisms. 
Um, so does that give you a lot more confidence to, to kind of spread your um, horizons once you came back from Australia? Because um, you said your, your places and what have you, but um, I think, again, I'm just based on all our information from the Germans. Uh, you, you appeared in a few more companies following your return, so a bit more matches on Source that were um, a bit more Source shows as well. So did, yeah. did that experience just let you go, right, okay, I can just try and go other places and see how it goes? Yeah, I mean, um, I'll, be, I'll be honest, like it's, it's, I've not been as many places I would like partially because of the fact that you know wrestling's pretty much been on hold for the last year um and you know I, because i started wrestling a lot later than some and because wrestling's never been my lifelong kind of thing um i i knew even when i started training if i ever do get on a show i'm never going to make it my career you know so like as much as I love doing shows, as much as I love training, as much as I love wrestling, it's, it's, it's always been second to the rest of my life almost, you know? So although when I got back, I had a, a, a renewed love for it and I really wanted to get back in the swing of things, um, my, my main priority when I got back to, uh, to the UK from Australia was, you know, getting my feet back on the ground because uh, I essentially ran out of money. Um, I... I I knew it was coming back when I was coming back. I didn't. I didn't come back because I'd ran out of money. But um, my intention was when I came back to move to Glasgow a lot sooner than I did, because um, I ended up staying in Dundee again for for a full year before I ended up moving down to Glasgow permanently. So my my biggest concern at that point was having enough money to to survive a year in Dundee. So I needed a new job. Um, I was staying with my mom at that point and. Uh, I also needed enough money to be able to then move to Glasgow, um, which was actually a lot more difficult than I expected because it's, it's, a, it's a lot more difficult than, than you think it might be to find a job in another city while you're still working in that, that first job. So I ended up having to quit my job while I was working in Dundee um, and just move to Glasgow and just hope for the best and find a job while I was there. Fortunately, it didn't take me that long. Um, but I ended up, I moved between a couple of jobs before I, before I ended up in the job I'm in now. So I'm, I'm more stable now, but um, that, that was only, I would, I would say I was only stable by, you know, the start of 2019. So I only really had a year to, uh, to expand my horizons, I guess, before obviously lockdown hit, COVID, whatever, and uh, the wrestling industry stopped. So um, yeah, I, di I didn't have as much of a chance to, to go elsewhere than than I would have liked, um, but I'm, I'm very glad of the, the opportunities I got before before lockdown. And, and once once everything kind of goes up and running again, I'm in a better position now where where I probably will um, look to to try and, and work a few other places. Although you know I am you know 32 now. I'm going to be 33 this year. I don't know when shows are going to start again. I'll probably be 33 by the time I, I step foot in a wrestling ring again. So. Um, as much as I would love to to expand my horizons as much as possible, who I actually have no idea how long I'm going to end up wrestling for before I before I call it in, you know. Um, yeah, that's the weirdest thing about this whole thing. It's it's uh, for one reason or another, um, there won't be people that that were wrestling won't be back come uh, absolutely the shows yeah. again. Um, like I say, for for a, a plethora of reasons, uh, there's a fancy word to use on a podcast. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's just 
strange. But you do have uh, a match scheduled for whenever that, that may be. Uh, yes. So we'll, we'll speak about... Uh, so you have matches in Source Wrestling. Um, you re- we said Reckless before you went away yeah. as well. Uh, but Fair City Wrestling is uh, the company that you're kind of not attached to, but you've made a few appearances at their shows, including their first one, even though you were yes. a last-minute replacement uh, for <laughs> Zach Leon, uh, who has questions we'll, we'll get to. Um in a match which I was looking forward to, uh, I watched it on their on-demand, uh, Yourself versus Aspen Faith. Um, for anyone who's listening to this or anyone that knows me, they know I'm a fan of Aspen Faith, so it's yeah. always going to be yeah. a winner anyway. Um, so what was it like getting thrown uh, just as a last-minute replacement into this this new venture, this new company against against Aspen? Um, it was it was pretty damn awesome, to be honest with you. Um like Aspen's a guy I've I've really enjoyed watching for a few years as well. Um, I'd uh, you know I, I, I've saw him. I've I've never actually saw him live before. Although I did work a a source show with him um, not that long before, but uh, I've never watched him live. But I've, I've watched a few like, enough of his matches uh, on YouTube and whatever to to really enjoy his work. And um, I knew this was probably. The biggest match, it, well, it is the biggest match I've had probably um, so far, and uh, yeah, it was great. I, I actually wasn't sure if I was even going to be doing that Fair City Wrestling show to begin with. Um, I was originally meant to be in the six man. Um, I can't remember if it was an elimination match or if it was just like a six pack challenge. Uh, it, was, uh, it was elimination. It was, was it elimination? Yeah. Um, I was. I was originally supposed to be in that, but even that wasn't um, kind of confirmed until actually only probably about a week before Zach pulled out. Um, but Zach's, Zach obviously got announced for the, the match originally with Aspen and I couldn't be happier for the guy. You know, like Zach's a guy who is another another person who I have absolutely no bad word to say about. He's um, he's one of the most hardworking guys I've ever seen. Um, like he's, he's done a lot in the last few years to really, uh, to really prove his place in Scottish wrestling. Um, and I think he's still got a lot to prove, but um, yeah, I was I was so happy to when he when see, I think he actually told me before the the match was announced, he uh, he IM'd me to let me know he was he was getting Aspen, and I was over the moon for him. Um, I'll, I'll admit there was a little bit of envy there where I was like, oh man, that'd be awesome to wrestle Aspen one day as well. Um, so it was it was it was good. That, uh, oh, I say good. It was it was obviously um, a shame for for Zach that he ended up having to pull out. Uh, although he did obviously get the match with Aspen eventually a couple months later. So uh, it kind of worked out pretty well for both of us in the end. But um, yeah, last minute replacement for, for Zach in that the, the very first match. And and that was probably, other than maybe the women's match, I'd say my match with Aspen was like the marquee match at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I always feel we're wrestling... The, the, the day I stop getting nervous before a match is the day I'll probably retire. And I was nervous as hell before that, you know, brand new promotion, very first show, marquee match against someone with as much acclaim and, and such a huge fan base as Aspen. I was like, this is a, this is going to be tough, but I, like Aspen's a guy like he is, uh, he's very good at helping you and he's very good at teaching you. Like I, I learned a lot through that match with Aspen. Um, I learned a lot from Sammy that day as well, Sammy Jane. She was obviously backstage um, on the main event. 
Um, and she she had watched the match afterwards, and the two of us, uh, well, myself, Sammy, and Aspen sat afterwards um, to kind of go over the match. And, and yeah, I learned a lot from the two of them. But the uh, the match itself, going into it, I was a nervous wreck. Um, and it, it's 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 a funny one with wrestling as well because I'm a nervous wreck probably before most shows, up until the moment I step through the curtain, and it's it's completely different. Like the nerves go away. And it's, it's a lot easier, especially in the last few years. Maybe not in the first couple of years. We are still really getting to grips with the whole wrestling thing. But once you're comfortable enough to, to work a match yourself, um, you start to learn to really enjoy it. And uh, I only really enjoy it while I'm out there. Like the day, the day, bef- like the day of the show, before the show starts, I, uh, I don't really, I'm not very, I, I'll admit I'm not very approachable at any show prior to the show starting because I'm, I'm like I said earlier, I overthink things and I tend to overthink my matches a lot and I over ten, I tend to overthink um, the perception of, of what could happen or what could go wrong in the match. So I, I tend to spend a lot of time by myself on show days just contemplating um, the match, I guess. But um, I, I, I did a lot of that on, on the, the Fair City show. Um but like I say, as soon as I'm out the curtain, it's it's completely different, and uh, it's it wasn't a perfect match, not by a long shot. There was uh, there's a couple of couple of bits I'm not happy with, but um, no, it was it was a really really good fun match, and uh, like I say, I learned enough from them that I I feel like if we had another match down the line again, I feel like it would be even more improved. Um, but it's it's still one of the matches I really really enjoyed the most. Um, and I suppose the advantage of it, of it as well, because it was it was ran by by John and and yeah. Kevin, that they had this kind of hybrid of of fans that had the ones from Dundee, because uh, a lot of the guys were on that show, and because it's quite central between that and Aberdeen, you got some from the Aberdeen uh, crowd as well, because uh, of course they would know Aspen and Sammy and yeah. all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, I think I may have said to John, but it's, like, it's the nice middle ground where. It's matches you never thought you'd ever see because of outside things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now you're actually getting to see them. Because I, I never would have thought, outside of when you started appearing at Source, I would have never thought I would have seen Ken Caden against Aspen Faith because yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. run in the same circles of, of promotions. So um, it's a great way to actually see these matches now. And when shows return, whenever that may be, you're in the final of the junior heavyweight title tournament for FCW against Tommy Cross. Um, So Tommy Cross, uh, he again, primarily worked in Dundee and and Fair City Wrestling as well as this kind of creepy character. Uh, What are your thoughts going into that match whenever it it happens? Whenever it happens. I mean, at the moment it's scheduled for April. Um, I'll be completely honest. I don't see that happening in April. Um, obviously we're, we're basically where we were last March so I think we're still a long way away from, from ever being in a wrestling ring again uh, even to train let alone in a ring in front of a crowd you know um, so I, I really don't know when that match will ever be um, I won't be surprised if it's not till next year just with the way things are going uh, I'm pretty pessimistic that way but um, it's, it's, it's a match that I've been kind of wanting for a while um, like Tommy is a guy that obviously like you said worked a lot in Dundee beforehand and uh, you know he's he's basically been taken under the wing of JD so JD's taught him a lot 
and uh, and he's Tom, and Tommy's really come out of his shell. Um, I I didn't really know him that well. Um, I, I still don't really, to be honest with you, because he only came about around about the time I left, and we've never really crossed paths up until the last Dundee. Show. Well, it's actually four for show. Um, where we had the uh, we were the last two in the the fast track rumble match, but um, before that we've never crossed paths at all. So I've yet to be in the ring with them, uh, even to even train with them. Um, but I know I know JD's spent a lot of time with them. He's obviously spent a lot of time with the character um, and the the whole gimmick that they've got um, with the cleansing. It's, uh, it's 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 been a proper passion project. With, uh, with JD and, and Tommy. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing almost what, what I would consider like the finished result. Like I feel like Tommy at the, at the moment is, he's, Tommy's still new enough that he's, I don't want to say the word green, but he's, he's new enough where like he hasn't had a lot of big opportunities yet. Um, and I, I, I feel like by being with JD, Tom is now in a position where he is ready for those opportunities. So I'm, I'm to be probably his first match back. I, I, I consider that quite a good honor to be the first guy um, to kind of, I don't want to say prove his prove his worth, but um, you know, I, I feel like for Tommy, I'm probably one of his first big matches, um, and I'm, I'm happy. To be in that position, so I'm, I'm really hoping that I can see what JD's taught him and see what he's been taught from from other places, um, and I'm, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what kind of match we can work. It's it's very poetic that your first match was with JD, and yeah. when you come back, hopefully, your first match will be with his student, his uh, protege. Yeah, yeah, his protege, and uh, so it's kind of a nice twist on things. Um, so we'll move on to. We'll get into some of the fan questions. We'll speak a little bit about Zach Leon as well, because he was your last, it was your last big feud, uh, yeah, and yeah. Dundee and that before uh, shows ended and everything else from that point forward. Um, what was it like getting to work with Zach? You've 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 uh, praised him uh, previously in, in our chat, but uh, what was it like getting to work with Zach? Mine, in a mine and Zach's story? relationship is a very bizarre one. So like, it's 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 funny how this how the world works in this kind of way. So I've known, I've known Zach for a long time. Um, back when I was in high school, um, he used to go out with one of my friends for a couple of years. I'm actually not too sure how long they were out with, uh, like in a relationship for, but I'm, I met Zach because he was, um, he was going out with one of my friends and uh, back when I was 18. So this would be what, 2006. Um, we were part of that same sort of, friend circle so but like maybe 2004 2006 uh, I spent quite a lot of time with Zach but then as as life tends to do um, we ended up going different paths um, he ended up doing his own thing I did my own thing and we ended up not really speaking for for years now Zach only started training after I'd left for Australia and um, I've actually this is actually I'll, I'll, this is probably the story of of, of how uh how I came back as well, actually. So we'll kind of cross off, well, cross off two stories with one here. So um, it was it was back when I was in Australia, and uh, 
I didn't really, I, I, I didn't know Zach at this point. I knew the name because I, I, I still kind of kept in touch, obviously, with folk from Dundee. And uh, people would ask me on occasion for for um, advice on whatever storylines were happening and ask me what I thought of this, whatever. And I knew there were some new trainees. So I'd been told about the likes of uh, like Jack Morris, Alex Webb and Zach Leon. And um, so I, I didn't know anything about these guys other than their names. I'd, I'd maybe watched... I think I'd maybe seen a couple of clips of like Zach Morris, uh, Jack Morris before uh, before I came back, but um, I didn't I didn't know anything about uh, about Zach, and it was uh, it was a couple of months before I left, um, well before I came back to to, to the UK, and I'd uh, I'd pitched an idea. I was like, I'm going to be back in Dundee for the I think it was the August show, um, so it was Hellbound. It was a it was a show before Hell for Lycra. I was like, I'm going to be back in Dundee for this time. Um, what can we do? What what can we do to, to bring me back? And um, I was told, oh, there's a storyline happening with Alex Webb and Zach Leon. They're they're two new guys. They're friends. They're about to kind of turn on each other. Um, and Alex is going to uh, associate himself with um, Felix Fortune. So um, we're like, right, we'll, we'll set up a match so that uh, you know it'll be Alex and, and Felix versus Zach and we'll have a, a wee thing on the night where Zach's going to be looking for a tag team partner and it's, it's going to be one of those kind of ones where it's like if he doesn't find a tag team partner by the main event or whatever he's um he's going to be in a handicap match with the two of them so um I I, I spoke a lot with Felix at this time we had kind of sorted out the, the whole story and um he was the one that told me oh yeah you're going to be uh tagging with this guy Zach Leon so it was only at that, that point, which is maybe a month or so before I came back, that I kind of thought, okay, let's actually look up who this Zach Leon guy is. And it was only when I saw him, I was like, oh my God. Like, I've not seen this guy in like 10 years. Um, and I don't think he even, he, I don't think he realized who I was until the day of the show either. Um, and it was, he actually didn't even know who I was until I came back to the venue and I didn't even come to the venue until just before our match started because um, I, want, I wanted to keep it as much of a surprise as possible so I, I worked everyone um, and it's probably that night is by far my favourite moment in wrestling so far the day I came back because um, like I say I, 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 I worked everyone no one knew I was coming back there was like three people that knew I was coming back JD Wilde Felix Fortune and Dave, the promoter Braveheart. They were the only people that knew I was coming back. Um, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd set it up so that we, um, we, we worked out what the match was going to be earlier in the day. Alex Webb and Felix Fortune actually came down to my mum's and we, we, uh, we, we wrote the match in my mum's back garden. Um, Zach was actually working his day job at that time. So he I didn't actually see Zach until I turned up at the venue. And I only turned up at the venue, like I say, about five minutes before I came out because I wanted to kind of show up at the venue just before the match um, and, and surprise everyone. Um, I was actually back in Dundee for about two weeks at that time. Um, and I, I basically isolated myself in my mum's flat for, for the full two weeks. I didn't want to leave the house because I didn't want anyone to see I was back. I didn't post anything on social media. Although actually, I think I kind of worked a little bit because I worked. I went down to Marty Jones's school down in Manchester for a, for a week, 
Um, so I think I maybe implied I was still down there, but um, yeah, no one knew I was back. So I remember getting to the venue, seeing Zach for the first time and Zach was like, oh my God, how are you doing? And uh, it was only at that point that we, uh, that we um, realized exactly who each other was. And um, we ended up obviously having the match and we've been really, really, really good friends again since. Um, but that, that show coming back was actually, it was so nerve wracking. I remember standing backstage and obviously no one knew I was coming back. So no one was expecting me to come through the curtain. So there was a couple of promos through the, throughout the show. On the screen, you see Zach speaking to whoever saying, oh, can you, do you want to be my tag partner for the night? And they'd be like, nah, go find someone else. And I remember standing backstage behind the curtain, my music lined up and um, Zach's out in the, in the ring with, with Alex and, and Felix. They're just about to, to announce the match. And uh, he's like, I've found a tag partner. You know, he's doing the whole uh, milking it kind of thing. And the whole crowd starts chatting for Eddie Devine. He was over as hell at this point. And I remember standing backstage and all I can hear is Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going, my, my music's going to hit. I'm going to walk through the curtain. And everyone's going to be like, that's not who we wanted. <laughs> and um, at the same time, I was like, it's been a year. Like, a year is a long time in wrestling. I've been away for a year. Obviously, like the, the regular fans who have been coming for years will remember me, but there's probably a good number of fans who never even heard of me before. I was like, what happens if my music hits and no one cares? And um, so I was absolutely crafting myself. I was like, this is going to be the, either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. As soon as the crowd started chanting for Eddie, I was like, this is going to be the worst return ever. It's going to be a total waste of time. Um, my music hit. And I've never seen, I've never had a crowd reaction like that in my life, honestly. Like the crowd went absolutely mental for me coming back. And I actually remember coming through the curtain, standing on the stage before coming down to the ring. And I had the biggest smile on my face. I was actually so happy at that point. I started to cry. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm actually really gutted because I've never seen the footage of that show. And I never will. Um, at least I don't think I ever will. So if, if, if anyone who is watching this or listening to this podcast was at that show and has like fan cam footage or whatever of my return, please send it over because I'd, I'd love to see it. Um, I've never seen it again since. But um, but yeah, so that, that was the match. And we ended up having a really good match back. I did absolutely nothing in the match. I, th I think I, I did the hot tag, did a couple of moves, pinned Felix Fortune and uh, and that was it. But it was one of the most fun matches I've ever had. Um, I, I remember actually listening to your podcast. I, I listened to it a couple of days ago, with the, the podcast with Kuma. And you were talking about how important moments are in wrestling. And you're, you're, you're probably the kind of person that prefers moments in wrestling rather than good wrestling matches. I'm probably the opposite. I'm, I'm someone that likes a lot more long form storytelling and I love really technical matches that tell a story that way but um that match is the best match i've ever had from a moment perspective like the match was not anything special like i literally did nothing in that match apart from stand on the apron get the hot tag quick comeback hit my finish and that was all i did and it's probably the biggest crowd reaction i've ever heard in my life so like i completely understand why people 
prefer that moment kind of thing. Uh, it's not, it's not my cup of tea usually, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably, that was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, but anyway, that, that obviously set, set in motion stuff with Zach. So, um, it was when I started booking the future division that I started to, to think about having a, a feud with Zach. We'd, we'd kind of toyed the idea. He wanted to turn heel for a long time and, um, we discussed, well, why don't, why don't we turn heel? Why don't you turn heel on me? Um, so the uh, I, I say I was booking the future division. I was booking the, the the future division tournament we had back in 2018, uh, or that started in 2018. Um, the only reason I booked it was because I was told I was winning it, basically. Uh, well, actually, it was supposed to be between either myself or Spike Tierney. Um, both of us were meant to co-book the tournament, but I I pretty much did all of it myself, to be honest with you. Um, and I ended up obviously winning it, but, um, yeah, the, uh, I, I've been working with Zach since the start of that tournament. So Zach turned heel at Lycra, which would have been, I can't remember if it was August or September that year. And the tournament started the November before. And, um, the storyline for turning Zach heel started at the start of the tournament. So th this is, this is actually comes back to what I was saying earlier, where I, I really prefer that sort of long-term storytelling like i'm not a huge fan like i feel like it's really lazy when like when so if, if zach's turned to me and said oh I, I want to turn heel it's really easy for me to go right okay you're going to be in this match as the baby face and at the end of it you're going to turn on them and hit on my chair and you're going to berate the crowd you know oh yeah i mean the, the long form story makes the moments all the sweeter yeah I, I find. yeah, but yeah continue. <laughs> I, I i feel like that obviously it can be done really well and it has been done really well in the past, but I feel like it's really lazy storytelling to just be like, cool, I'm heel now. Um, I really like to, to plant the seed. So um, myself and Zach wrote the storyline from this conception back at the start of that tournament right through to, to his turning heel. Um, and uh, it was it's, it's, it's probably my favourite thing I've worked on because it, it worked pretty much perfectly. Um, we planted the seeds where we wanted it to. And it's, it's, it's one of these ones where, like, I find I, I, I don't really read too many dirt sheets and I don't really pay attention that much to, like, the forums, like wrestling forums or whatever. But I'll, I'll go on, like, Reddit. I'll go on Square Circle every now and then and see see what what's happening. I, I mostly go on it just to keep updated with, like, WWE because I don't really watch it myself. Um, I, I go on it to see if anything major's happened and I'll maybe jump into the comments and see what folk are saying. And, you know, you look at any comments and the, the first thing, oh, this baby face is, is really good. You know, it'd be even better. Let's turn him heel. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a cop-out to get anyone over, you know, like, oh, let's turn him heel. Um, but uh, actually, I can't remember what I was going to say. What was I going to say? So um, planting the seeds was exactly on. And... Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So, like, another thing you'll find as well is like, if you if you look in like a pre-show, like let's, let's say it's a pay-per-view today, you're looking like the pre-show thread and, and Reddit, and people are like, "Oh, what's going to happen? Uh, this is what I want to happen," and it will be something completely left field and out of nowhere, you know. And I, I feel like a lot of wrestling fans. Um, and a lot of wrestlers book wrestling to be like unpredictable and unpredictable is good don't get me wrong like you want to, to, to throw a spanner in the works sometimes but I feel like 
if everything's unpredictable, everything's the same. So like with the story I did with Zach um, before he turned heel, like it was predictable. So, but we, I, I feel like we did a good enough job of telling it that it was still really satisfying. So we, we teased it a couple of times with Zach turning heel and um, basically Zach's whole year was leading up to the, the, the point where there was no other option but he for, for him to turn heel. It was just a case of when is he going to turn heel. Um, so we'd, uh, we, we wrote the losing streak. So he didn't win a match, basically. He lost his, I can't remember if it was second or third round match in the tournament. He lost a match against uh, Luke Aldridge. And we'd set the finish up so that he was going to lose via Luke cheating some way. I think he did the, the feet on the ropes. Um, and it just happened that the following month, um, I was in the next round match with the Luke. So we decided to to do a thing where, where Luke would do the, the feet on the ropes as if to, he was going to... I think he did it to begin with on the first round. Uh, we did it with Zach in the second round and then... Uh, we did it. We did the same finish with me, but I was going to be wise to it and, and and kick out of it or or find a way out of it. And the actual finish of that match was uh, was a little bit different. We uh, we did a finish where I didn't win clean. Um, I think I had I had a look on my shoulders. He was fighting off. We stepped back and he fell behind me, but he kind of crotched himself on the ropes. I didn't realize it. Took advantage of it and got the win. I thought it was a clean victory. Zach Leon thought differently and he was like, oh, you've, you've won by cheating kind of thing. And we did a thing where, like, we, we did a thing where Zach would go on a losing streak and every single time he lost, he would lose by cheating. So he wanted to plant that seed that eventually Zach was going to, you know, snap with it, you know, and um, we, I feel like we did a good dynamic because we had the two of us being allies, me being the champion at the time, and he was on this, like, I was winning, I was winning all these matches, I was carrying the belt, um, and I was, I was winning cleanly in every single match, whereas Zach was kind of playing second fiddle in my shadow, he was losing every single match, and not only was he losing, he was getting cheated out of his, out of a win every single match, so, like, we, we, we did a full year, almost, of planting that seed where Zach was getting more and more and more and more frustrated, to the point where we obviously got to that crescendo in the match in um, Hell for Lycra, where you eventually turned heel on me. Um, and like, I, I I much prefer that kind of thing rather than, than moments. Like, don't get me wrong, moments are great. Obviously, like when, when I came back from Australia, that moment was fantastic. And I don't think I'll have a moment in wrestling that will top that. But um, like, I, I feel like if you were following that story from start to finish, there was enough nuance in there that you, you saw it coming, but it was one of those kind of ones where when it happened, you went, I called it. I call, I knew that was going to happen. And I'm, I, and it, I feel like it's in with that kind of storyline, if it is predictable in that kind of way, you can almost get the fans to relate even more because, you know, the fans feel like they're in on it, you know? Whereas if I had Zach turn heel at the start of the year, it would be completely out of nowhere. It'd be completely random, um, and then you'd have to justify it afterwards. I feel like a lot, or a lot of wrestling storylines, especially in like WWE, WWE especially, are all about those moments where stuff happens, and then you spend the next few weeks or next few months trying to explain what happened. 
and there's nothing wrong with explaining how to get to a point and having that point happen afterwards, you know? Oh, yeah. Like I say, I'm in total agreement with that. Um, when, when, that's what I mean by moments, is, is having that that lead up to it. Because one of my favourite yeah. moments from, well, WrestleZone, because the one I go to the most, um, was was the breakup of, of their biggest faction. And um, they asked me to do a big write-up about it. And then when I kept going back, I was like, this started 18 months ago. Yeah, and then yeah. there was just points where you're going, this is how it all led to that moment. And that's why that yeah, moment yeah. was the best because they had 18 months of, of work behind yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what I mean by my, my, my I love moments yeah, because yeah, yeah. it has to have some logic behind it. Um, you're right, with WWE, it's a case of, oh, they've turned, they've turned heel, right? They're going to take the next three weeks, try to retroactively make sense of it all. And then they'll probably turn on babyface again. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, whatever happened. <laughs> and then, well, fans on Reddit, especially, they're the worst yeah, for that. Yeah. Uh, it's a case yeah. of, oh, he's, he's so cool. Now he's a heel. I'm going to cheer him. That's not the point of being a heel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. being a heel is you boo him. <laughs> so boo them. That's, that's that's one of my biggest bugbears, and it's probably the reason why I don't really ever want to be heel because I don't want to to be a cool heel. You know, uh, I've, I, I'm probably one of the few people in Scotland who's worked babyface their entire career. I think I worked maybe one match uh, as a heel back when I worked Reckless. Um, I had a match against uh, Delson Dare. Um, and that's the only time I've ever worked heel in my entire career. Uh, every other match I've worked babyface. But um, at the same time, like I'm, I actually had this conversation a couple of days ago with Zach and, and Kevin Williams, actually. Um, how one of my biggest bugbears in wrestling is that everything's black and white. Like there's no gray areas. Like you're either a heel or you're a baby face. Like I, f I feel like uh, I said this to, to the guys, like if you've got a baby face who is perfect in every single way, there's no flaws to their character. Therefore there's no flaws for them to overcome. Therefore there's no character development. And if there's no character development, then how the hell are you going to get over? You know? And that, I think that's probably, I think that's the reason why baby faces have such a difficult time getting over with the crowd because wrestling to a lot of people is so black and white that it's like, okay, you're a heel, therefore everything you have to do, everything you have to do is about, it has to be heelish. You know, you, you can't do a good thing as a heel because you're a heel. Similarly, if you're a baby face, you can't do a bad thing as a baby face because you're a baby face, you're meant to get cheered. But I don't know, I feel like if you, if you have a bit more gray area there where if you have a character flaw, and can work that into your character and can work that into your story. I think that helped that that's that, that's what will help the baby faces get over because people will relate to those flaws. And if you work to overcome those flaws, that's when people will start getting behind you and you know supporting you to try and get over them. Um I feel like there's there's too too many wrestling fans and too many wrestling shows that I, I think WWE is a big part of the problem there it's, it's part of the reason why i've never really watched wwe or really cared for it is that you know like baby faces on on the main roster shows just look like idiots all the time like there's too many times where the the heel you know outsmart the baby face and the baby face could easily see it coming but they don't because they need to work from under you know that's the standard thing of the the baby face being the underdog but you know, if you're if you're not smart about it, you just look like an idiot. And if you look like an idiot, no one's going to care about you. Absolutely, I think one of the best faces at the moment in WWE is uh, is Kevin Owens for that exact 
that exact uh, thing you're on about. He's he's not he's not clean cut baby yeah. face, but he's quite happy to go. I don't know, you're you're being a bit of a knob here. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort you out, but I'm gonna do it my way kind of thing. And anyway, yeah, yeah. if we start speaking about WWE, we're we'll, we'll gonna end up in, in a round <laughs> circle. We'll, we'll be agreeing, but we'll be adding layers onto the same yeah, exact yeah. point. Um, right, we'll go to the questions then. Zach Leone asked, uh, "Who is your favorite wrestling friend, and why is it him?" Well, he's just answered his own question, you know. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, like I, 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 I consider like since I came back from Australia, Zach has been my go-to guy. Like, if I've got any any questions, any ideas, any thoughts about absolutely anything, even if it's not wrestling related, Zach's been my go-to guy. Like, as much as I said, like JD's JD's like my my other half um, in wrestling, like if I look at it in sort of a relationship kind of terms, like me and JD are like a long-term couple who have been together for years and years and years, you know, we've, and we, we, we know each other and trust each other enough to, uh, to know all of our own problems and how to fix them. I don't really need to go to JD very much with, with any, with, with anything because I know exactly what he's going to say. And I know exactly like we have a, a very, a very close, almost symbiotic relationship. But uh, I'd say JD's my my other half, whereas whereas Zach's definitely like my best friend in in wrestling. Um, uh, there's you're, certainly no you're one on the side. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the side. <laughs> there's a uh, yeah. There, there's definitely no one I, I probably um, confide in as much as I do uh, Zach these days. Um, although, like, that's I, I don't want to say that in a discredit against a lot of people. Um, there is quite a few guys. That I uh, that I put a lot of trust in. Um, Mighty Fine Eddie Divine is another one who who have a lot a lot of time for, and he's uh, we've we've both gone to each other about our own issues and helped helped each other through some tough times. So, um, but Zach's definitely the the guy on the top. Not to say I'm the bottom <laughs> in that relationship. Yeah, yeah I could have went all sorts of wrong. Um, his actual question <laughs> uh, would is what would your last match be, where and who with if you had do anything you wanted, no limits. Um, I mean, realistically, I'd probably say, I'd probably say JD. I feel like it's like, like you said earlier about how it was poetic for me to, to have the next match against, um, against Tommy. Um, I, I feel like there's no one else I could have a final match with apart from JD. Like even everyone else I've had kind of feuds with, like um like obviously Zach Leon. Although we we never got the feud we wanted um towards the end of it. Obviously we, we got the, the heel turn and we did a we did a couple of matches after that. Um and our last match where he won the title off me is uh is, is another one of my favorite matches. But uh like I say, the relationship's nothing compared to, to my relationship with JD. It's just very different. And I, so I, I feel like it needs to be JD. I mean, if it, if we're talking anybody um, in wrestling whatsoever, uh, I'm trying to think who I would love a match with. I mean, I'd, 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 if there's any wrestler still active today that I would have a match with, he would absolutely murder me, but I would love a match with uh, with Minoru Suzuki. Okay, uh, the Arthur Complex or anywhere in particular? 
<laughs> I mean that I, if it was Suzuki, it's definitely wouldn't be the other complex. As much as as much as I I, I called that place home for a long time. Um, if it, if it was JD, then definitely the Ardra Complex because we that's where we had most of our matches. Um, if it was Minoru Suzuki, I'd probably say either Korakun Hall or uh, Osaka Joe Hall. That would be the uh, the ideal. Absolutely. I mean, is, is Japanese wrestling a big favorite? Yours? I mean, Ring of Honor. I'm assuming it is because yes. of uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah. And you're you're fan you're fan of uh, technical masterpieces as opposed to. Yeah to main event wrestling as you put it which is a great way to put it uh, when I'm thinking about that um, okay so we've got uh, Omar Mohammed. he asked how's your jaw still a little sore um, for those who, who haven't seen the match we had, we had a match a couple of years ago um, back when I was future division champion and uh, yeah he pretty much dislocated it for a couple of weeks um, and he has apologized several several times since then, but I don't know if he means it that much. Um, I would I would quite like to to dislocate his one day, but no, I've actually always see this, this is this is probably a problem I've had because I was never a a sporty or active person growing up. My body's not that great. Like I have real issues with my wrists, and I think I've always had issues with my jaw. So it's it's. I consider myself to be a bit of a glass jaw and, uh, and and Omar kicking me square in it when he should have hit me in the stomach. I don't know how he managed to uh, to miss by that much of a margin. Um, yeah, that didn't do it very much. That didn't do it very much good. Um, that was a fun match. Actually, it's probably the only match I've ever had where I thought I, legitimately, I was legitimately coming out of it with a concussion, but I think I'm fine. That's right. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you're all right. I've uh, got uh, Rain asking, do you remember winning match of the year, which I was cheated out of a win because you were the legal man? So that um, match she's referring to there is the uh, actually the very first match she had in Dundee, um, which was against, it was actually myself and Holly Dead versus Rain oh, and yeah. Princess Ad. Um, I'm assuming I, I, she has actually spoken to me about this before um, I think if you look back on the footage I think I was a legal man therefore Holy Dead pinning Rain was uh, illegitimate but I, I actually haven't watched the match back recently to tell if that's, that's true or not I'll have to watch that back um, that was a really that was a fantastic match um, that's another match where I actually did nothing in the match like it was all Holy Dead um, but it was, it was so much fun I'm sensing a pattern. <laughs> it's like some of your favorite <laughs> matches once you do nothing in. <laughs> well, like, I get, because I do nothing in them, they, they give me a good chance to sit back and enjoy the rest of them. You know, if I'm standing on the apron, I get to, to enjoy Holiday's work. Um, she's, she's another person. They're, the charisma on her is off the charts. Like she's such an intimidating person, but such a lovely person at the same time. Like I would not want to get on the wrong side of her. And uh, the final question I got in was from Alan Johnson. He asked, favourite and least favourite levels of Fall Guys? <laughs> I've actually not played Fall Guys since Season 2 has dropped. Um, my favourite level is probably Seesaw, which is a very controversial one, purely because I'm really good at it, so I can get up front really quickly. Um, and I, I just get to enjoy them being the masochist I am. I get to enjoy uh, watching everyone fail 
uh, try to get to the end of it for the next 20 minutes. Uh, least level, uh, least favorite level is still by far um, the soccer one. I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, fall ball, I think it's called. Um, that just needs to get in the bin. That's a horrible level. I, I was, I, I thought you looked at me for a second thinking I would know. I've not played fall ball, <laughs> so I'm just like, don't ask me. Uh, I recommend it. I recommend I it. It's bit, actually it's, it's a really good game. I, would, I just well, haven't had a chance to play it. For what I was aware of, I don't have PlayStation Plus. I just have the free ah, PSN. Yeah. So uh, as far as I was aware, it's all you have to have PlayStation Plus to play it. I'm like, oh, I'm only paying 15 quid for it to do that. Yeah, it's all multiplayer. So I know that means I actually have to start speaking to people. I don't want to do that either. <laughs> I'm quite happy. I'm playing Psychonauts at the moment. I downloaded that. Oh, nice one. Yeah, um, because I've never beat it, but I've, I've played it. Oh, I was, I was, I've gone through a little bit of a, a run at the moment. It's like I want to play Spyro, but I don't want to play Spyro. So I play games yeah. that are like Spyro. So uh, I played uh, Ratchet and yeah. Clank, um, and now I'm playing uh, Psychonauts. So that's that's where we are at the moment. Yeah, I, I have a huge issue where I have a lot of games. Like you can see behind me, I've got a bunch of games. Um, I've got more off screen, and I've got literally hundreds of PlayStation Four games on my account that I've got digitally, but. I'm one of these people that I spend a lot of money on games and then I just don't play them. Like, out of all the games I have, I've maybe completed about 5% of them. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who plays a game and then I'll buy another game. And because I've bought a new game, I end up playing that and then ignoring the last game. And then five days after that, I'll maybe buy a new game and then completely ignore the game before it. And it's just a vicious cycle that I need to get out of. But I just, I just love the... Uh, the uh the rush of buying a new game for some reason that seems to make me happy um not actually playing them just just buying them and having them i'm, I'm in the same boat it's like well especially during lockdown i go into the playstation store and go oh it's down from 40 quid to five pound oh, i'll yeah, buy that yeah. and, I exactly it, I like. and then i play it maybe i'll load it up and go oh, what else have i got i'll just play that so i would just cause three that's just sitting never played because i loaded it up got, and went oh no nah, it's fine i've got a weird kind of situation as well where because i've started a twitch account and um i stream intermittently I'll, I'll get a game and i'll maybe be really in the mood to play a game and then i'll go now nah, i want to save that for twitch knowing that i'll probably never actually play it on twitch so it, although i really want to play it i'll just never get around to it because i won't play it unless i'm streaming which i don't do enough to be able to justify that uh, well, I was going to ask you that just before we wrapped up. Then uh, we'll, we'll do the we'll do the last of the wrestling questions, I suppose. Um, yeah. So when the when the shows come back, um, where do you want to go? Is there any companies that you have visited yet that you that you want to wrestle for in front of their crowd or anything like that? Yeah. So obviously, um, the match announcement's already been made for for Fair City Wrestling, so that'll likely be the very very first show back that I am on, at least. Um, other than that, like obviously had a, a little bit of time with Source before before lockdown, um, so I, I still want to be part of that when when we're all back to uh, back to wrestling again. Um, I I would love to go to basically all other promotions in Scotland. Like WrestleZone's always been a promotion that I really want to to go up to, um, but because it's in Aberdeen, it's just it's just somewhere that I've just never had the time to. Um, I'd love to go back down to Reckless. There's there's a lot of guys in Reckless at the moment who I have a lot of time for. Um, a lot of guys in Reckless that I used to see fairly often when they were wrestling in Dundee that I've not seen in a long time. Um, and 
probably the big one is is discovery. Um, I think uh, anyone in, in Scottish wrestling should want to go to discovery. I think um, it's probably one of the most in terms of like when I mean, you consider it's long, how long it's been a promotion. It's uh, it's probably done the best. I would say out of uh, cementing itself as, as like a top tier promotion um, in the shortest amount of time. You know, I, I would I would definitely prefer to go to Discovery than ICW or anything like that these days. Um, I mean, if, if I'm completely honest, I've I've never really had any desire um, to to wrestle for ICW. It's just not really my kind of thing. Um, as as I said earlier, like I'm I'm don't get obviously ICW has all sorts of different wrestling styles on its show um, and I've seen some fantastic technical matches through ICW but it's overall presentation it's 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 not my kind of cup of tea um I'm that that said I, I was about to say the reason for that is because I when you look at the word sports entertainment I, I tend to prefer the sports aspect of it rather than the entertainment side of things that's obviously applicable um to any promotion like most promotions in in Scotland are focus more on the entertainment side of things um but yeah in terms of icw's more adult style um i've uh I, pre I prefer working the families the families are always the where you get the most satisfaction out of um don't get me wrong like i obviously worked a lot of over 18 shows in dundee um and they've always been fun but they're they're just they're, they're nothing compared to to working a family a more friendly family friendly show which is weird that I say that because I've never really had an awful lot of time for kids outside of wrestling. Like I, I've never, I've obviously, don't, I don't have any kids of my own. I have no real intention of ever having them. And if you put a baby in my hands, I really have no idea what to do with it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no, no bigger satisfaction than you know, making the kids happy when you, when you're, when you're working these shows. Um, you know, if if you've got guys wanting they've actually got their hand out after your match to to slap hands afterwards then uh then you're doing a good job it's a nice way to round up so where can people find you on social media then well what are you doing on twitch tell us all this is going to go out right about the start of march so i don't know what you'll be doing then but what's your general probably twitch not much different stuff um so i'm i have a count on pretty much everything social wise um Facebook, I think it's just facebook.com slash Ken Caden. I don't really use it that much anymore, to be honest with you, though. Um, Instagram, I'm a little bit more active, but not really recently. That's just Instagram or at Ken.Caden. Uh, I'm mostly more social on twi uh, Twitter and Twitch these days, which is uh, both um, well, twitch.tv slash Ken Caden or uh, at Ken Caden on Twitter. Um, yeah, those two places are where you'll find me. If you, if you want to follow me on Twitch, please do. Um, I would love a few more followers on that. Um, I, I mostly just play a lot of single player games, um, a lot of Rocket League, if anyone's into that. And uh, I've, I've got the PS2 hooked up as well. So I try and play a lot of, um, a lot of PS2 era games as well. So if, uh, if anyone's listening, fancies a wee trip down memory lane to the early 2000s, um, which is probably what I consider the golden era of gaming for me. Um, give me a wee follow on Twitch. That'd be great. Excellent. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, this has went a lot longer than I probably thought. I don't remember where we started, but, <laughs> but uh, here we are just under another, another uh, just under two hour episode again of the ah, SWM podcast. But uh, yeah, again, thank you very much for, for chatting with me today.
So it's uh, no, no gimmicks needed. Ken Caden. No gimmicks at all. Straight shooting. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Take care.